come to drop the bomb. Drop the bomb. Drop the bomb. Drop the bomb. We gonna drop the bomb. This is a journey into sound. A journey which along the way will bring to you new color, new dimension, new values, and a new experience. Do you dream of becoming a published author? Are you an expert in your field and you know you could write a book but struggle to find the time to start? Do you have something great to say but don't know how to plan and write a book that does it justice? Whatever your situation, my next guest can make it happen. Whether you are a business owner or a blogger, want to write history, recipes, or self-help, Dr. Adair White Johnson, owner of the Johnson Tribe Publishing, can help you create a polished, finished product ready for publication. With over 10 years experience as a writer and publisher, she knows the industry inside out and over the years has helped many authors make their dreams a reality. So stay tuned for another dope episode of Sound Bombing. Welcome back. Joining me today in the bomb shelter is the Amazon best-selling author and writer of over a million books, my friend from BK by way of the Bahamas, fresh off the Essence Book Festival, publishing expert, Dr. Adair White Johnson in the bomb shelter. What's up, homegirl? Welcome to the bomb shelter. Hey, hey, how you doing? Thanks for having me here today. Oh, yep. So Yay. thanks for joining us. Thanks for, you like that million. I know you didn't publish a million books, but you know, when the, when the producers send me all these other books that you publish, I'm like, man, how many books of this girl has published before we get into the pu the publishing piece let's talk about essence you were just at essence in new orleans with over a million black brown folks from all over the country uh i saw the photos with your kids and your family let's talk about that how was essence oh that was pretty phenomenal this is the first year that i took the entire family and it was just amazingly fantabulously awesome it was just just the vibe just the energy just the feeling you could you can only walk around and cheese from ear to ear because it was such a good positive uh space to be in so how did that feel a little brown girl from bk brooklyn by way of the bahamas make make it to essence how did that feel and then how did that happen well, sometimes I have to pinch myself because it's surreal. As I was standing in the bookstore and so many people were coming up to me asking about my two books that sold out, I must add, um, just speaking to them like, wow, they want to speak to me. They're actually listening. It's a surreal feeling, but then I also know how hard I work to get to this point. So in terms of how does it feel, um, it's surreal. It's, it's one thing to dream it, but another to live it. Um, you have to pinch yourself. In terms of how you how I got there, it's you know really a lot of you know writing and publishing the book, using um, getting my name out there. You have to apply, uh, and they review all of your credentials, your expertise, your experience. They review that, and then they select authors to have their books within the bookstore. And then it's another process to actually have your book actually be assigned a book signing slot. And so I was able to get a book signing slot and 
be a featured author in the bookstore. So it's an application process you have to go through. So how did the boys do? I mean, you got four sons. I think three went. Your husband. I mean, how did they feel being around yeah. all that female energy and that energy at S? <laughs> and, and did you work the hell out of them well, when you were down there also? Well, absolutely. They know whenever we go for me to do book signings, it's work that's involved. Although I'm very cognizant and aware that they are teen boys, they're at a tender age where they are looking at girls but not looking or pretending like they're not looking, not sure what to do. Um, So they're at that tender age. And I think overall they enjoyed it. They did say it was a bit girly. Well, it is essence, so they said it was a bit girly, but they actually were annoyed when we left because some of the superstars that they wanted to see were coming on stage and we were leaving, but they were really supportive. They know their jobs when they go with mom on book signings, so they hang around but still try to grab the essence of the essence experience. So they were tired of hanging around you. Who are some of the, who are some of the celebrities they wanted to see? <laughs> oh, they wanted actually two different extremes. One was Marvin Sapp. Uh, his okay. book signing was later that afternoon, Marvin Sapp. And the other one was Meek Mill. He was supposed to be on the next day, the next afternoon. So two different extremes, but yet those were the people they wanted to see. Uh, yeah, so yeah, Meek, it was funny. Yeah, but. it's definitely an extreme. Meek Mill on one stage and uh, Marvin Sapp. Well, the brother did just get out of prison, so uh, maybe maybe he and Marvin uh, can probably tour together. So let's talk about your, your love for writing. Where did you gain your love for writing? Was it your parents? Was it school? Was it was it a teacher? Was it one of your family members? Where did this love for writing come from? You know what? I've always written. That's how I express myself. I never remember. That doesn't make sense. But I don't remember not writing. But as I grew older, my dad was a journalist. He was a renowned journalist in the Bahamas. He was the press secretary for the prime minister. He owned his own publication company. And he just had a column in the newspaper forever. So I grew up as my dad being a columnist as a journalist in the Bahamas. So I never thought anything different about it. Now, when I realized I could actually write and I had skills and a gift, so to speak, wasn't until I got to college. But I always expressed myself um, through the written word, always, um, whether it was good, bad, or whatever. That's just, it's not, part, it's not what I do. It's a part of who I am. I don't know anything different. So you grew up in BK in the golden era of hip-hop music. Roxanne, Shantae, UTFO, you know, all those. Mm -hmm. So you weren't writing rhymes? I mean, come on, you from Brooklyn, you weren't writing rhymes? You were just writing these little little stories that now have got you celebrity status? Absolutely. I just, that was music, and it was great, but it was something I danced to, something I hung out with, but it wasn't necessarily an expression of my reality. It wasn't an expression, not all of the songs. I I had a mother who listened to old school music, not rap music. So I was more into her music and the rap was good, but it, no, I wasn't writing rhymes. <laughs> you so My poems in me. You ain't, had no, you ain't had no rhymes in you. you. You weren't on the corner of BK freestyling, watching the cast break dance and you were spitting some rhymes. <laughs> I was on the corner. I was on the corner listening and dancing. Now I had cousins who were out there spitting. You know that's what they did in the park in Queens. But me, I was on the sidelines. I was the dancer on the sidelines, but just watching. I just my the poetry that I wrote, the words didn't even rhyme. <laughs> you know, so so so, mm-hmm. so where do you get your ideas for writing? You know, where do where do you get your ideas from? 
basically I write from the heart. I literally wake up in the morning or it can be in the middle of the day, an experience. Uh, it could be in the moment. I write from my heart and not to get preachy on you, but I write what God tells me to write. He will put a message on, in my spirit, in my soul, and I let it out through the written word. Because even though the message may not be for me, he may be instructing me that somebody else needs to hear it. And so really from my heart, my soul, and what God tells me to do. There's no other explanation when I'm writing creatively. Now, when I'm writing scholarly, that's a whole different process right there. But creatively, that's where it comes from. So what does that process look like? So walk us through uh, that process of writing. So, for example, when I, when I, whenever I put together workshops or wherever I'm about to start writing, there's a candle that's always on my table. And, of course, you can see right now in the bomb studio, I have my Be the Light candle. I have a candle that's burning. I sort of set the stage for the foundation of this work because, again, uh, when I open up my mouth, people are listening to me. So what does your mm-hmm. writing process look like? Walk us through walk us through that. And, and, and has it changed over the years? So let me just say I've always had to fight for my writing space. Growing up in Brooklyn, you know, our apartments weren't large or long or big or anything. You had to get in where you fit in type of, you know, situation. I would try to write in the bathroom, but we had one bathroom, so you had to get out when people came in. I tried to write in the kitchen, but if they wanted to come cook, you had to get out. So I've always had to find, like, struggle for that significance in terms of finding a writing space. But I've just learned to adapt. When it hits me, that's when I write it. Whether I'm in church, I'm writing on a church bulletin. Whether I'm in the grocery store, back in the day, they said brown paper bags. I would write on the brown paper bags. If I'm in school, whatever class I'm in, that's the, the section that I'm writing in. So in that vein, I'm very flexible with where I can write because the words are coming from my heart. So it doesn't matter what's going on outside of me. I can tune them out. Now, but in a perfect world in my adult life, I do have a space where I'm at right now. We have a library in our home. I'm fortunate to have that where I can literally come in and sit at the desk with a comfortable chair and I'll have my notes that I have made have jotted down on my phone or written notes. I do a lot of handwritten notes. I'm still old school. And I will write from that. I don't have to have candles. I don't have to have music or you know, I don't have to have all of that because my brain was trained from a younger age, I need to get in where I fit in to get my writing in. Does that make sense? So it's interesting, yeah, because there's a restaurant in D.C. There are about four of them throughout the D.C. and Virginia area, and it's called Bus Boys and Poets, one of my favorite restaurants mm-hmm. because they have vegan food and a variety of other foods. And it's named after uh, Langston Hughes. And, and I bring that up because Langston Hughes, when he lived in D.C., he was a bus boy, and he was known mm-hmm. to write on the back of checks or, mm-hmm. or receipts mm-hmm. or bags he would write mm-hmm. these poems and and yep. so of course imagine finding a, a a langston hughes poem right now on a sheet of paper or a, or a back of, or a pack of a bag mm-hmm. it's amazing and mm-hmm. here you say that you do have a writing process and sometimes it's different it's different from when you were a child growing up in a home because there may be a young person who's listening who says well i need to find a quiet space and you said you grew up in brooklyn you know, uh, you know, <laughs> you know, was wasn't a whole lot of space. You found space, bathrooms outside on probably on the stairway the on, stoop. A rooftop, the on the stoop. stoop. Yeah. Uh, but then now as you've gotten older, you found space. Now in your home, when you're writing, you have three, four, four men, three young men, one, one husband. Do 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 they know? Do you put up any signs that you're about to go into a writing session, 
or or do they just know the look when you when you walk when they walk through the door that mommy is in here getting it in? What does that look like? Basically, they have been, I hate to use the word trained, but they are trained um, that when I'm in a deep mode, I could just give them that mommy look. Um, but respectfully, we have common areas in our home. So I can't expect to sit right next to the kitchen with three teen boys and expect to go into a deep writing mode at four o'clock or five o'clock in the evening. That's unfair and unrealistic to think, to think that. But um, so I will shift and come to the library or go up to my room or even I've discovered my front porch. It's been my, oh my gosh, I love my front porch this summer. So the boys are really respectful. They understand. I have one who loves to write now and he will lock himself in the basement and say, don't bother him because he's writing. Um, so they've learned, like anything, you know, um, in a family, you have rules and policies, practices, and procedures, and that's kind of what we do. Now, if I'm recording, like, a session like now, I do let them know, okay, mom is in the library, I'm recording, and then they won't even knock on the door or bust through the door. Okay. So why do you write? It, was there a particular reason that inspired you to write and to continue writing? I know some uh-huh. people write because of I lost a loved one. I remember, I'm sure you wrote a whole... I couldn't have dated you in high school, man. You probably wrote some long letters, made a brother feel bad. <laughs> Pull your letters right now. Like, I wasn't about nothing growing up. Um, so why, why do you write? Why do you write? Um, I write, I started as my expression. Growing up in Brooklyn, there were hard times. There were good times, but hard times growing up in an environment with a mother who was an alcoholic. She actually died of cirrhosis of the liver. And it was a physically abusive, emotionally abusive, psychologically, verbally abusive environment that I didn't know that was how you classified and defined it back then. That was just the way my house was. It was a house we grew up with economic poverty, but we didn't have intellectual poverty. So I knew that there was love there. It was just the way that we lived was it, it, it affected my psyche. So the best way for me to release, I grew up in a house where a child should be seen and not heard. So I wasn't able to express myself verbally. So through the written word, I was able to get everything out. So a lot of my early writings really are, are my way of releasing heartache and pain. Um, I always knew that everything was going to be all right, and I always felt better once I was able to write it out. People get into verbal arguments and confrontations. That never did anything for me as a child. You know, writing and getting it out and releasing it is what allowed me to move to the next step. What allowed me to wake up in the morning and say, today is going to be a better day from yesterday, even if I still was being abused, because I didn't know that was abuse at the time. I just thought this is the way we live. So for me, I began writing as a release of pain, of heartache and pain. Um, yeah, that's so the best way to describe so it. So your writing basically took you to another place because you couldn't sort of get out of this sort of community that you lived in. So you had to really take your mind somewhere else and writing was sort of therapeutic for you. And then now now you're being compensated for the writing. And we're going to talk about how do you then help other people uh, to, right. do, to do that as well. So who are some of your favorite authors? Who do you like to read? Uh, my favorite author or my favorite author, I would say, would be Maya Angelou. Um, you know, pretty classic. I have a, a wide variety of people I love to read because I like ratchet reading as well. 
<laughs> Hold on. The, the, doc, no. not the doctor, well, not the doctor liking ratchet. Re- well, I love the balance of that, you know. Well, let's say I like <laughs> the urban fiction. I will enjoy urban fiction. But as I'm sitting in my li- library right now, I'm staring at this collection of books that I have. I have everything on my shelf from up from slavery, black power, Kozol's Amazing Grace, Kozol, you know, uh, Savage Inequality, Before the Mayflower, and then I have the other section with all my research books. I love Terry McMillan. I used to love Elin Harris before he died. I love Nikki Giovanni. So I just love, and let me go back. Of course I love Maya Angelou. She's a classic. How can you not? But I just love a good book or a good read. You know, almost anything can capture my attention if it is a good read. And it just depends on where my mind, mind space is at that time, whether I can, you know, absorb it. So, so do yeah, you, I'm looking do, at all these books. <laughs> so do you encourage your authors that you work with, do you encourage them to read a variety of books? I encourage them to do the research in their genre because that's going to help them when it comes to writing their books. And I also I encourage them to not just research on Amazon, but to go into a bookstore like a Barnes & Noble or independent bookstore and actually feel the books, see what they look like, touch them, the colors, the font, all of that. I really encourage them to do that because if they are going to be representing themselves in that genre, they have to be familiar with what it looks like. So they don't have to read a wide variety of books, but I do encourage them to do the research in their genre. Uh, so does does writing energize or, or exhaust you? Like when you're in the writing process, are you energized or are you exhausted from writing? Um, it's a combination of both. If I had to select a word, it can be very frustrating for me because it's so much that I want to say, but I don't always have the time at the moment to get it out because life happens. As I said, I write when something is placed in my heart. So this place in my heart and I'm in the middle of church on a service and I'm writing on the bulletin and I'm still writing and church is over. It's frustrating me because I can't still just sit there in the pew and finish writing what I'm thinking. So it energizes me once I get that feeling, you know, um, but it can be frustrating if I cannot finish it and, and get the words to reflect exactly how I'm feeling. That part can be frustrating for me. Girl, you know you're supposed to be paying attention to the pastor. You're talking about writing a book while the pastor is <laughs> preaching the word. I'm, I'm going to call you a pastor right <laughs> but, now and say, no. sister there is not paying attention to the sermon. Uh, but, she, no, she's under- writing a book in the pews. <laughs> no, understand the process, though. It's God speaking to him, and it's something he has said to the pastor that has now inspired me. So it's God speaking through my priest who then shares the message with me that touches my soul, and that's how I write. So it's not just something out of the blue where I'm writing. It's always something related to the homily, to the sermon that I'm writing about when I'm in church. Oh, you're a good Catholic school girl. Some of, some of the folks are like, what is a homily? <laughs> you straight BK, good Catholic school girl. Straight you, Catholic you speak Spanish girl. Too? <laughs> <laughs> so, so, you talk, so you talked about frustration. I remember when I first wrote my children's book when I was teaching at City College. Man, it was amazing. It was called mm-hmm. Dia de la Escuela. Uh, and when I and when I talk to people, when I talk to folks who want to become authors, they talk about being frustrated. So what are the main reasons outside of frustration? What are the main reasons that you've discovered why people do not write and finish their books? 
Okay, so in all of my consultations and consultations, conferences and consultations with aspiring authors and just everyday people, the three main reasons why people do not write and finish their books are fear, confusion, and doubt. People don't finish their books because they have the fear of the unknown, they have the fear of failure, they have the fear of standing in their truth, speaking their truth, the fear of what if this doesn't work, the fear of success, what if it does work. So they have that fear, so that stagnates their growth, and they just, they may start and stop and start and stop and never finish. They have, they don't finish because they're confused. I was always taught by my business mastermind mentors that a confused mind does nothing. So when they don't know what to do and how to do it, how to get started, what are my next that it paralyzes them. So they remain in that same mode. You know, well, I've written, you know, three sentences. I wrote three pages, but I don't know what comes next. So when they're confused, they just stop. They do nothing. A confused mind does nothing. And then the doubt, if they are afraid and if they're confused, then they start to question themselves. Can I really do this? So they're really uncomfortable with this, you know, being afraid and being confused. So it's easier for them to take themselves out of that mode where they're comfortable and just not writing the book and not being bothered with it than to actually figure out how to get it done. I like to use the quote my friend told me years ago that people would rather live in a comfortable hell than strive to live in an uncomfortable heaven. So basically people would rather not write the book and be comfortable then try to write the book and be afraid, confused, and doubtful. So those are the three main reasons, fear, confusion, and doubt. Are the, before you even get into the details and everything of writing a book, those are the psychological and emotional issues that hold people back. So fear, confusion, and doubt. Now, what three tips can you share to help people finish their books? You talked about fear, confusion, and doubt. What are the tips that you have to help them finish the book? Okay, number one, I would say is do not write and edit at the same time. Writing and editing are two different processes. I can't tell you how many people will say, well, I started, but it didn't, it didn't sound good, so then I stopped, and if they, you know, I deleted it, and this paragraph didn't seem to fit together, and they keep doing that because they're editing at the same time. I'm not saying you can't switch out words or you notice, you know, some grammatical errors. You can go ahead and adjust those, but I think you should just let it all out. Just write. There's so many tools and so many things that can help you edit once you get the story out that you shouldn't worry about that. You should not let that slow your role. You should not let that stag stagnate your growth. Um, I'm, I've been taught again that done is better than perfect. So write the book. And then we can go back and there. You can hire a professional editor that will be able to handle your grammar usage and mechanics. So the second tip would be schedule your writing time. So many people will just try to fit the right.
one second. Adair, can you hear me? Hello. I'm sorry. Uh, something happened. Go back to number two, quick. Go back to number two. So continue. I'm steady talking. Okay. So the second reason that um, the second tip I should say that you can use to um, help to write and finish your book is to schedule your writing time. Many people will often just fit writing in to their schedule, which means they're not able to make a lot of time for it. But if you are actually Schedule it into your already busy life, hectic life, you'll find you'll show up more. Just like you know what time you're supposed to go to work, maybe what time you're going to the gym, what other activities you have, you need to know what time you're going to work on your book. So if it's 30 minutes a day, if it's one hour a week, whatever it is, schedule that time. Inspiration does not show up unless you do. So you want to train your brain that when you are, where you're supposed to be, when you're supposed to be there, and what you're supposed to be doing. So schedule that writing time. And the third tip would be to know your purpose and your target audience. A lot of people will begin writing a book because it's in their heart, they feel it, they have a story to tell, and they don't know the purpose of the book. Like at the end of this book, what is it that you want to be the takeaway for your audience? People just write. They just sit down and just start writing. If you don't know your purpose of your book, you're going to confuse yourself because you're not going to be able to complete an outline before you write, and therefore you'll be writing in circles. And that, that confusion I talked about earlier, that will set in, and that will not allow you to finish writing your book. So know what your purpose of your book is, and also be familiar with your target audience. Who are these people? What do they want? What is the language that they use? What is their life like? Because you're not the one who's going to buy your book. Your target audience is going to buy your book, so you have to be familiar with them. So the few tips would be do not write and edit at the same time. Schedule your writing time and know your purpose and your target audience. So if I'm listening to this and I'm, ask, I'm, I'm dealing with this sort of self-doubt, which is number three, uh, how can someone like me, let's just say I'm not a writer, how can someone write a book if they're not strong writers? Okay, so to do that, there's so many different tools that are out there, But and I also work with writers who are not writers. Um, the, the easiest, I would say, would be the speaker method and the transcriber method. And the speaker method is basically, well, three methods. Is you want to record your book using your cell phone or using any type of audio device, and then you are going to have it transcribed. You send it up to have it transcribed, and then you come back, and you're able to write from the transcriptions. You're basically speaking your thoughts. So that's one way. Another way would be the transcription method. It's similar to the speaker method, but instead of the transcriptionist transcribing it, you're going to transcribe it yourself. So you're going to listen to your audio tape, listen to your own story, and you're going to transcribe it yourself and make an adjustment as you move along. And the third way you can do it is to hire a ghostwriter. You tell the story to someone else, 
and they actually write the story for you. And that takes a bit of time, but a ghostwriter is another way. So if you are not a strong writer, that's okay. You have different methods that you're still able to get your story out so you can publish your book. And you might be, those folks that are listening right now, you might be wondering, well, how is, does she become an expert? Well, I know I joked in the beginning, said Adair wrote a zillion, a zillion books or a million books, but I think she's, I think you've written over 11 books, right? Is that it? And can you mention the books that you've actually written? And then we're going to talk about, I, I, I think the producer told me that you're going to be offering an, an online class. So I want to talk about that. Yes. Name the books yeah. that you've written and then talk about what it means to be an Amazon bestseller. Hilarious. You opened the name 12 books. Uh, 12. I said, I'm sorry. <laughs> you don't have, I know. It's, it's like, Ashley, it's like you, it's like you're an artist. You're like, all right, can you sing the song that you wrote in like 1985? And now it's like exactly. 2018. Uh, just name a couple of the books. Okay. So, um, one is how to get over, how to get over it in 30 days, parts one, two, and three. Um, my latest book last year, 21 ways to get over it, what you need to know. I did a collaborative book early this year that became a bestseller too with 16 authors, get over it, stories of release, resilience, redemption, and resurrection. And then I have my team book where really get over it, um, how to bounce back after hitting rock bottom. I also have a book, I Live with Lupus, with how to um, get over it, live, how to live, seven tips to living well with lupus. That's my lupus book. And then I have a book of quotes uh, just called White Girl Speaks. So combination of everything that deals with, you know, my branding idea of get over it, but some, you know, deviation from that. And now you're moving into the master class. I know you hear that quite a bit if you if you logged on and you hear Oprah is having a master class or mm -hmm. you, you hear Bill Duke, the director, is having a master class. So a Dr. Dare White Johnson, writing coach, book publisher and bestselling author. Now you have a master class, how to write and finish your book in as little as 90 days. Let's talk about the yeah. master class. How can people register for the master class and then what should they expect? to receive from this master class? Okay, so the master class, they can just hop online to dradairspeaks.net. Um, so that's D-R-A-D-A-I-R-speaks.net. Uh, they call it backslash masterclass. So dradairspeaks.net backslash masterclass. It is a free webinar. It is absolutely free. And once they register for the webinar, they'll be able to jump in on the call. And in this call, we teach you four strategies that you will need to, um, four strategies that you can um, use to help you finish your book in as little as 90 days. We'll talk about three main reasons. I gave you an overview already of why people don't finish their book, four specific strategies to write and publish it, techniques to overcome writer's block, the necessary steps to publish your book. We actually share with you easy tools and ways to write your book quick and painlessly. I gave you some examples with the speaker method and the transcriptionist method. And then the most important things that you need to know to write and publish your book. I use a, mat, uh, uh, a motto, think, write, edit, and publish. So it's actually four different sections that we discuss in the webinar and under each sections are subsections that really get into finding your voice, claiming your truth, uh, different strategies. We talk about the backward design, how to outline your book, mapping. So it is a very robust uh, webinar for you guys and it's absolutely free. And net backslash 
master class. It's how you enroll. So congratulations for getting to this level. The little brown girl from BK teaching a master class on writing. Who would have, mm-hmm. who would have ever thought that you sitting in the bathroom on a stoop on a corner rocking in big earrings in the mm-hmm. 80s and 90s <laughs> now be teaching your own master class. So congratulations. Um, and so what are some things you think other folks should expect from this class? You know, at the end of the class, what should these people be able to do? At the end of this class, they should be able to create a purpose. They should be able to get a general idea of how to create their outline. They should have a working knowledge of the self-publishing process. Um, They should know how to reduce that fear, that confusion, and that doubt. And they really should be read. They really should understand that every drop eventually fills a bucket. So every sentence they write will lead to a paragraph, will lead to a page, will lead to a chapter, will lead to a book. So we really get it. I work on it a lot psychologically because a lot of these reasons why people can't finish their book is psychological. And you see a lot of ads and master classes and all of that online. And they're great classes. But what I saw was missing is the psychological aspect, why people don't write and finish. So we really delve into this class about the thinking phase. There's a lot you have to think about before you put a a dot on a piece of paper. And we really get into helping people think before they begin to write. So we talk about thinking, writing, editing, and publishing. And And they leave with great takeaways from each of those sections. Well, as we begin to wrap up, uh, we always close out sound bombing what we what, what we call our super questions. I'm going to throw out a couple of words, questions to you, and I want you to respond to them. I don't want you to dig too deep. I want you to think of the first thing that comes to your mind. So you ready? Okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, what's the first thing you do when you wake up in the morning? Breathe. <laughs> <laughs> Breathe? I hope you do. I take breathe. a really... Well, I mean, I take a really, really, I inhale. I really, really do. I know some people say God, you know, and they meditate and all of that. I really take a deep breath when I wake up in the morning. It's funny you should ask. I always do that. <laughs> I think breathing is important. Uh, what's your favorite bird? <laughs> oh, God. What's my favorite word? Uh, get over it. That's more than one word. I know. Yeah. We'll give you two words. Um, (laughs) What's your superpower? My heart. Uh, What's your animal? What's your what's your spirit animal? Animal that you may be connected to. I would say a lion. And what sounds or noise do you love? This rated PGRX. <laughs> Girl, this is rated whatever you want it to be. Don't be pulling your husband in this conversation. <laughs> what sound or noise I, do you love? <laughs> I just like sounds. Okay, I'll keep it vague, but sounds of love. <laughs> sounds. Okay, we know what that means, Miss uh, Bahamian Mama. Um, when, uh, when you feel overwhelmed uh, or unfocused or have lost your focus temporarily, what do you do? Oh my gosh, I'm on my knees um, because I'm a power control freak. And when I feel like I. Now you're talking about, you just talked about sounds of love. Now you're saying you're on your knees. You better watch out. This is rated PG. (laughs) What you talking about? (laughs) This is sound bombing. Sound bombing is right here. (laughs) 
fuck on my knees, meaning that that's when I'm really begging and praying to God to help me through this because that means I don't feel like I'm in control and I am a control freak. And if I'm feeling that way, unfocused and everything, so it's making me crazy. So I'm begging for some answers. So I'm on my knees like, please send me the answer because I will drive, I won't sleep at night. I will drive myself crazy if I'm unfocused and I feel like everything's out of control. So I'm on my knees praying, <laughs> asking God, <laughs> you know, for some help, some answers. <laughs> okay. Final thoughts for our listeners. Oh, is that a question? Oh, <laughs> okay. So, final thoughts. But yeah, absolutely. I honestly believe when we talk about book writing that everybody can write a book. Everyone has a book within them. But you need to know why you want to write a book and how important this book is to you because that is going to motivate, inspire, and empower you to actually get it done. It's not as hard as some people make it out to be. You just have to create a system of strategies and techniques that will work for you, and that may require working with someone else professionally or not in order for you to get it done. You have to have a plan. I was taught a dream without a plan is just a wish. If you want to write this book, you have to plan to write it. You can't just wake up and write it. And if you do that, then you can get it done. I honestly believe that we all can. We all have books in us, but we need to know why we want it, you know, what's the purpose of it, and so on. So... That's my final thought. Well, Dr. Adair White Johnson, um, I would like to thank you for coming to uh, to the bomb shelter to be a part of Sound Bombing. Uh, you've been an amazing, amazing, amazing uh, guest. You have a wealth of information. I wish you well on uh, the master class. I will share it with all those other folks who are aspiring writers. Uh, and I would also like to thank my producer, Darius Wilmore and Supremacy for our theme music. And as always, believe that something wonderful is about to happen and that some people miss the message because they are too busy looking for the mistake. Thanks for tuning in and do something for someone other than yourself today. This is your man, Dr. Lamar Darnell Shields, and you've been listening to Sound Bombing.